Amen. 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 Welcome to Redemption Church. I just want to say to you guys, uh, here's the honest truth. Okay, I, I'm working off of 37 minutes of sleep. Okay, and that's I'm not exaggerating. Okay, 37 minutes of sleep. Uh, the story is is that I went to a wedding last night in San Diego. So after our Good Friday service, drove out to San Diego. I thought that's a good idea. Uh, went to San Diego. And Brandon Burns, one of the interns here, many of you might know him, him and I drove back. We got in at 5 a.m. this morning and then, uh, you know, got settled, you know, brushed my teeth and slept for 37 minutes and then came here. So uh, I say that not uh, for you to pity me. It was my own uh, silly decision to do that. Um, but to say, I'm going to need you guys today, okay? And so when, I, when we give a he is risen, I, I want to get some power, okay, just to wake me up if necessary, okay? So um, we're going to practice at the beginning here. Okay, so he is risen. He is risen hey, man, do you see that? Do you see that, Nate? That's how you do it, buddy. You got you to gotta call him out first, okay? And so I, I'm probably going to drop that at least 15 times throughout the sermon, okay? And so I, every time you hear it, uh, you're coming back with, with he is risen indeed, okay? Um, if you're new to church and you don't know what that is, I apologize. It's weird. I get it. Uh, but, but we celebrate because we're really excited about what today is for the church, okay? The other thing is, and this doesn't happen a lot here, but I'm hoping because of the critical mass, and maybe there's some new folks in here that enjoy a good amen, okay? And, and so if we can get some of that today too, that would be fantastic, right? So if you hear something today and you're like, man, that's good, give me an amen, okay? Right? Um, if you hear something you don't like, right, just shut up, okay? Just nothing. Yeah, I don't want to hear it. Just be quiet. Okay, but we're in on the amens and the he is risen in deeds, okay? We good on that? Okay, um, a few announcements as we get started. Uh, just want to say again, welcome to, to all you guys and, and happy Easter. It is a tremendous day for us to come together and celebrate. And you all know that it's Easter because I'm wearing a jacket, okay? Uh, and that we got Anthony somehow to wear a tie. I, it's just, he is risen. I mean, amen, right? Okay, so you guys are good. Okay, so... Uh, that, that's how you know, okay? But welcome to you guys. It is, it is fantastic morning to celebrate and to worship and to open up God's word together um, and to really look at the power of the resurrection. What does it mean for us and all that, okay? And so um, one of the things I want you guys to do is on your way out, if you have any questions, there's a couple info cards you can grab. One is kind of a who we are, what we do document. So if you have any questions about Redemption Church, uh, what we're about, you can grab that on your way out. Also, there's an event card. And so if you're looking to get plugged in on any event or anything we're doing there, you can grab one of those on your way out too at the Connect Desk and at like nine other places across, uh, across the back of the room, okay? That being said, why don't you guys open your Bibles to Luke chapter 24, okay? If you don't have a Bible, raise your hand. We will bring a Bible to you. Don't feel weird about this. We do it every week. I want to bring you guys Bibles. I want you to follow along as we go and turn to Luke chapter 24. I'll say this. If you do not own a Bible, uh, you do now. Please take this one with you. It's our gift to you. It's the least, uh, least we could do for you guys showing up and spending your morning with us, okay? So hands high, Luke chapter 24, okay? Now, let me tell you a story. Let me tell you a story. This story is about a, uh, about a psychiatrist, okay? Uh, a male psychiatrist. And uh, he's doing his work, and then, no, and then one day he just starts to notice some changes around his life. Uh, he, he begins to see some distance between him and his wife. He's not sure why. He's saying he, he doesn't really know what's going on. He's, he's looking around, and, and some of the discussions between him and his wife just seem a bit distant. 
Um, there's more Bibles up here if we could, guys. Um, seems a bit distant. He can't, he can't figure out why. Uh, his business starts to go away a little bit. He's meeting with less clients. He's not sure why that's happening. And so there's a bunch of discord in his life until he meets this young boy, okay? And this young boy tells him something kind of spectacular. He says, I see dead people, okay? Okay, that's what he says. Yeah, this is Sixth Sense. Yeah, that's where we're going today. And so Bruce Willis, okay, he has this interaction with, with this boy, with Haley Joel Osment, okay, and they, and they interact throughout the entire thing. I promise this will be good, okay? They have this interaction throughout the whole movie, and then you get to the end of this movie after having all of these scenes, which in many ways just didn't make sense, right? It was like, I, why are they sitting at a dinner table and they're not talking? Why is he there and he can see things that other people can't see? And, and just all of these questions, and you get to the end of Sixth Sense, and, and what is the answer? Bruce Willis is dead. And you see that, and you say, oh my gosh, M. Night Shyamalan, you're a genius, Right? <laughs> You begin to dance around the room, right? Because that was so unbelievable, okay? What's so amazing, and I think so powerful about that moment at the end of that movie, is that what happens in a split second completely changes the way you view the entire film. You have to literally take that moment and view everything else that has happened through a new lens and a new worldview. Everything is different all of a sudden. He's dead. Okay, so that, that means this makes sense. Okay, this scene now makes sense because he, he was dead. That, okay, oh my God, Jesus, right? Just spectacular. That's what we look at today, okay? That, that what happens, say, what we celebrate as a church, say, the resurrection of Jesus Christ changes everything. It absolutely changes the landscape of everything. It changes your worldview. It changes the way you interpret every single verse you've ever read. Because now Jesus is alive. Because every Old Testament prophecy that's pointed to, he's going to do this. He's the Messiah. He's going to raise. He's going to come back. It all comes true. And so all of a sudden, all of this new information, this new view, this new understanding of the way the world works happens in a split second with Christ's resurrection. And that's what we get today. That's what we celebrate. Is the turning point and the linchpin moment in all of cosmic history is what we celebrate today. Amen? Because he is risen. Oh, this is great. Okay. That's what we celebrate today. Okay, that's what we celebrate today. So um, if you were with us on Good Friday, what we tried to do was paint a picture, and we gave kind of the theme of the story. We said it's a dead king and a broken world. Right? That, that if we really sat in the reality of what Friday was for the people of God then, Right? That there would have been brokenness, there would have been sadness, there would have been pain, there would have been hurt, there would have been frustration, there would have been questioning. Man, it's a broken world because our king is dead. And so what we tried to do was really paint that picture by going through the last couple chapters of Luke and saying, man, look at all, if we strip it back, if we take away all the language, right, all the Christian language that's there, and just let's give some headlines, like some news headlines to what's actually happening in the text. And so we did that and kind of ran, man, it was just brokenness. Friend betraying friends, soldiers acting in ways they shouldn't act, loud mobs, right? Loud mobs of people with unreasonable demands were trumping logic. On and on and on. We read these scriptures and just said, man, if we look at the world, if we're honest, man, it is just a broken, broken place. 
And so what we want to do today is, is juxtapose, is contrast that story with the story that we get to celebrate today, which is a story not of a dead king in a broken world, but of a risen king in a redeemed world. And now it is with these two stories that I even give us the question right up front, what story do we live in? On the day-to-day basis, what story are you living in? Do you exercise your life in? Do you make decisions about, is it a story that says, Jesus is dead and this world is broken, there is no hope? Or is it a story that says, no, 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 Jesus rose from the dead. And because he rose, this world is redeemed. Now, my guess is, is that most of you who are Christians here today would say, well, no, I, I, I live in this story. I, I live in the story of the risen king in the redeemed world. That's my story. But I think, as I, even as I wrestled with this this week, and I, and I think as we'll look at today, even as Christians who maybe cognitively we believe this, I find that we drift and we can often live in a story that says that Jesus didn't raise from the dead. That's, that sometimes we live in a story that, that lacks power. Uh, we live in a story that lacks hope. We live in a story that drives us to fear when, man, if he rose from the dead, there should be none of this. And so what does it look like for us as Christians to say, okay, no, we want to not just believe this story, we want to live in this story all the time. And then, I, listen, I, I'm sure there's some of you here, and you're just visiting or whatever, or friend promised you Easter brunch, right? You got some hot cross buns coming to you later this afternoon, and so you're not a Christian, but you showed up today. Thanks for being here. Thanks for spending your Sunday morning with us. This is, it's awesome. It's awesome. And, and honestly, here's what I think. I think most of you are saying, okay, well, if I really look at this from a Christian thing, I'm probably over here. I, I don't think Jesus is risen necessarily. I honestly believe in this redeemed world that he bought back. But I would think also, if we were to look at your life, there are times where you live in a reality where maybe that's not true. That often, even if you're here and you're not a believer, sometimes I find this is that we all tend to live with a type of hope and we're not even sure why it's there. And I hope tonight that we would just redefine that it's there because Jesus Christ is risen. Okay. No, I didn't say that was different. Nope, doesn't count. <laughs> doesn't count. Nice try. Just kidding. So that's, that's my hope this morning, is that we would be able to navigate this story wherever we're coming from. And my hope is, listen, my honest hope is that we would all land here. Man, this, this is true, and this is good, and this brings hope, and this drives out fear, and this gives me vision, this gives me purpose, this gives me love. That's my hope for us this morning, okay? So let's do this. There we go. Who did that? Raise your hand. I love you, okay? <laughs> Luke 24, uh, Luke 24, <clears throat> excuse me. Actually, you know what? Before I get there, I want to do this. I want to do this. Um, let's look at some headlines, okay? So this is, this is right after Jesus' crucifixion. So Jesus had just died. He just breathed his last, okay? I want to show us just even in this moment how quickly the story changes. It changes from brokenness and pain, and it comes to this. So let's just look at some headlines that we could from Luke 23. So the first one is, an officer in error confesses his ignorance, 2347. Now when the centurion saw what had taken place, he praised God, saying, certainly this man was innocent. A man who was just part of the killing of Christ a second after he dies says, you know what, That's, that was the Son of God. Right? Changes. Luke 23, 48, a riotous mob is silenced and dispersed through sacrifice and not retaliation. And all the crowds that had assembled for this spectacle, when they saw what had taken place, returned home beating their breasts. Okay? The next one, a rich man sacrifices his wealth to honor a criminal. Luke 23, 53, now... There was a man named Joseph from the Jewish town of Arimathea. 
He was a member of the council, a good and righteous man who had not consented to their decision and action, and he was looking for the kingdom of God. This man went to Pilate and asked for the body of Jesus, and he took it down, wrapped it in a linen shroud, and laid him in a tomb cut in stone where no one had yet ever been laid. The next one, a former prostitute, is the last person to honor a king. Luke 23, 55 and 56, the woman who had come with him from Galilee followed and saw the tomb and how his body was laid. Then they returned and repaired spices and ointments. Another one, and this one can easily pass us by, a once dead man was now alive and well. Luke 24, 5 through 7. And as they were frightened and bowed their faces to the ground, the men said to them, Why do you seek the living among the dead? He is not here, but he has risen. You're slacking. You're slacking a little bit, okay? He has risen. There you go. Remember how he told you while he was still in Galilee that the Son of Man must be delivered into the hands of sinful men and be crucified on the third day rise, okay? This next one, an oppressed minority, carries and speaks good news to the world. Luke 24, 10. Now it was Mary Magdalene and Joanna and Mary, the mother of James, and the other women with them who told these things to the apostles. And we cannot just skim past how amazing this was. You see, this, this was a crazy thing that when Mark goes back to write this gospel and the other three gospel authors, they go back to write this, that they're writing a story and they say, guess, guess who found out that Jesus was, was not in the tomb? Who reports back to the world? Jesus is alive. It's, it's a group of women. Now, now, for us in 2015, that, okay, that sounds great. But back then, that's a huge deal. Women weren't even allowed to testify in trials. Josephus, an early church father, would even say, man, even if we had two women saying this exact same thing, we wouldn't allow them to testify because they cannot be trusted. Okay? We don't believe that. You guys are fantastic. Okay? <laughs> but back then, man, this is a big issue. So, listen, if anything, this just speaks to the validity of what's being written here. That if, if you're trying to sell a story, you don't sell a story where all of a sudden women are the heroes. It just doesn't happen. And yet in this, in God's economy, in God's culture, in God's kingdom, they're exalted and they're given this great place of honor. Beautiful, okay? The next one, a man hopeful runs to the friend he betrayed, Luke 24, 12. But Peter rose and ran to the tomb, stooping and looking in. He saw the linen cloths by themselves and he went home marveling at what had happened. This one, a betrayed king forgives his betrayer, Luke 24, 33 and 34. And they rose that same hour, returned to Jerusalem, and they found the eleven and those who were with them and gathered together, saying, The Lord has risen indeed, and he has appeared to Simon. The next one, a grieving family gets to see their friend once more. Luke 24, 36, as they were talking about these things, Jesus himself stood among them and said to them, Peace be to you. So just like that, just in a moment, right, Jesus dies. We painted this picture on Friday of just there's despair and there's brokenness and there's hurt in the world. But in just a moment, in Christ's death, he takes that sin upon his shoulders. And we see in Scripture all of a sudden a new story being written. A new story where the headlines are a little bit different because there is always hope and there is always goodness where there is always a Savior. Okay. And so we get these new ways to look at the world. Now, um, we always try and think of ways to creatively preach during Easter, okay? Because, uh, because a lot of you know the story, right? I mean, a lot of us get it. Easter is the day that we celebrate that Jesus rose from the dead. And so we're always trying to spin our wheels a bit and say, well, how do we preach something that, that maybe will be a new angle on it or a new face to it or something that's going to really draw you in and bring you back? And you just get all these. And, and here's the thing. I was at this wedding last night, and I'm standing outside in the patio, and I hear this gal, and she's speaking to a friend, and she says, man, you know, she says, Easter is the day I don't go to church. 
And the friend says, why? She's like, because it's just the same thing every year, right? She says, it's the same thing every year. I know what's, I know what's going to happen. And so the pastor and me chimed in, right? And I said, hey, so you don't do Easter? We should clarify it. I said, okay. I said, do you still accept presents in Christmas? She said, yeah. I was like, you shouldn't. <laughs> it's the same thing every year, <laughs> right? I said, and I went through some different holidays. Like, you still do this? Yeah, same thing. You know what I mean? You go swimming on July 4th? Yeah, well, don't swim, right? And literally, we're just kind of going through these things. I said, listen, that doesn't, that doesn't add up. It doesn't add up. I mean, if, if this is such an important day on the Christian calendar, it's such an important day, if our life is completely different, if everything changes because Jesus rose, how do you not? How's that the day you miss? So we don't need to give a new, fresh face to the most perfect story that, the God, that God's ever written, that God's ever told. He rose from the dead. You know it, and yet it's still so amazing. We're praying here before, and I'm already crying before service because I, he rose from the dead. You don't see this. This doesn't happen. The content speaks for itself, and so we didn't need to get too crazy. Another reason why I think we don't need to try too hard is because the reality is there is not another religion in the world. And I haven't, you know, I haven't studied ever every single minor religion, but I'll tell you what, every single major religion doesn't have a day like today. They don't have a day where they celebrate the fact that the hero of their story rose from the dead and is still living and still active in the world today. Okay? And and I'm, I'm not talking bad about other religions, so please don't hear that. I'm just saying they don't have this. Okay? Muhammad, deceased. Okay? Buddha, deceased. Lao Tzu, deceased. Confucius, deceased. Krishna, deceased. On and on and on. They're all done. You can go to their tombs. You can't go to Christ because he's not there. We can celebrate today. The content speaks for itself. We have a risen king. Okay. That is a powerful enough thing. So we're going to look at this story, and this is, this is the first story. Okay. This is the first story um, of, of Jesus kind of revealing himself to the world. He's risen from the dead. He comes to these people, and this is the first story that we get. Okay, so here we go. Let's look at it. Luke 24, verse 13. That very day, two of them were going to a village named Emmaus, about seven miles from Jerusalem, and they were talking with each other about these things that had happened. While they were talking and discussing together, Jesus himself drew near and went with them. But their eyes were kept from recognizing him. And he said to them, What is this conversation that you are holding with each other as you walk? And they stood still, looking sad. Okay, so what we have is we have these, these two people, and we know one of them is a man. We don't know the gender of the other, but these two people are walking on the road to Emmaus, and, and, and this guy approaches. And, and we get the benefit of knowing it's Jesus, but he has hidden himself. And this is like hashtag sneaky Jesus, right? And he's just like, I'm going to get you. You know what I mean? So he's whoop, and he's there. And so Jesus comes up, and he's, and he's starting to have this conversation. He says, hey, what, are you, what, are you guys, what are you guys talking about over here, right? What are, you, what are you talking about? Right. So this is, uh, this is their response. Verse 18, Then one of them, named Cleopas, answered him, Are you the only visitor to Jerusalem who does not know the things that have happened there in these days? And he said to them, What things? Again, cheeky Jesus. Hashtag cheeky Jesus. Just, what things? Like, you're Jesus. Come on. Okay? And he said to them, What things? And they said to him, Concerning Jesus of Nazareth, a man who was prophet, mighty in deed and word before God and all the people, and how our chief priests and rulers delivered him up to be condemned to death and crucified him. Okay, so 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 these two these two people, this guy's talking. What's going on? They're like, man, 
where have you been? What, did you know, where, oh, you've been like hiding behind a rock? Yeah. Ha ha ha. Yes. Did everyone get it? Somebody a little slower than others. That's all right. Yeah. I did that one to my staff earlier in the week. We, were, we weren't sure if it was going to work, but it did. Okay. Where have you been? He says to this guy, he's like, listen, where have you been? Have you not heard what's been going on? Everyone is talking about this. How do you not know? There was this guy named Jesus. He was this mighty and powerful prophet. He was healing people, raising people from the dead, making blind see, mute speak, and deaf hear. He was, I mean, he was, he was coming to the people that were broken and hurting and saying, come follow me, be with me. He was one of the people that people, other people would never go to. It's Jesus. How have you not heard that our rulers, that the people that we are supposed to trust, man, they, they took Jesus and they crucified him and they killed him. How have you not heard this story? How, how, how do you not know this? Okay. And I even just think about it, this week, that is, a, that is a good question even for today. That this gospel story, honestly, it, we don't live in the society where that is just assumed anymore and everyone knows this story. Do you know the story of the fact that God, who created everything, sent his only son to the world as a baby, born of a virgin, lived a perfect life, sinless, his entire life, every decision ever made, perfect. And then this man, who deserved no death, took on death, the death we deserved. And then it's in this resurrection, in the story that we study today, that we find new life. Do you know the gospel story? Where have you been? I ask us just like he asked them. Okay. Let's keep going. Verse 21. But we had hoped that he was the one to redeem Israel. Yes, and besides all this, it is now the third day since these things happened. Moreover, some women of our company amazed us. They were at the tomb early in the morning, and when they did not find his body, they came back saying that he had that they had even seen a vision of angels who said that he was alive. Some of those who were with us went to the tomb and found it just as the woman had said, but him they did not see. Okay. And so th- they jump into this, and they're like, gosh, I, we don't know what happened. Like, like, I don't know if you heard this story, but here's the deal. man: We, we put our trust and hope in this guy. Like, like we thought that he was the answer. We thought this guy was going to redeem Israel. You see, these people were living as an occupied people for a long time already. And they were saying enough is enough. When is God going to come and redeem us and give us back our land, restore us as a people? Where is God? We put all our hope in Jesus thinking he was going to be the guy. And he's not because he's dead. Now, now, for us today, now we hear this part of the story and say, well, we know what's coming, right? We know that right now in the story, they're actually talking to Jesus who has risen and say, well, do not fret, my friend, because Jesus is alive, okay? And so from our distance, from our vantage point, it's easy to say that, but again, I ask us, how often do we live in the reality that they're experiencing in this moment? How often do we battle hopelessness? How often do we battle fear? 
How often are you asking yourselves, man, what's my purpose? What's my vision? Where am I going? What am I to do next? Who am I supposed to be with? How often do we get anxious and toil about these things? How often do we find ourselves when we truly look inward, feeling despair because we just don't measure up? Whether it be to the person next to us or obviously our Heavenly Father. How often do we sit in hopelessness? The reality is, okay, the reality is that every time we walk in those realities, every time we walk in those truths, every time we walk in fear, every time we feel hopeless, every time that we doubt our identity, every time we doubt our value, every time you're unclear about your vision or anxious about it because you don't know where you're going, you are functionally living in the wrong story. You're functionally living in a story that Jesus is still dead. You're functionally believing that he didn't rise and that he didn't conquer death and that the king of the world, the king of the kingdom of God, the one who is sovereign and powerful and good is not ruling over everything. Because if he is, if this is true, if, if the one who's created all, who did all of this work, who was prophesied, you look back, man, if he fulfilled everything to the T, lived the perfect life, rose from the dead, if he's alive and he is working on your behalf, why should we ever lack hope? Why should we ever fear? Why should you ever have any concern about the vision for your life? Why should you ever wonder about your purpose? Why, why, why? And there's all of these things, and I'm telling you that oftentimes we just live in the wrong story. Christian and non-Christian. We live in a story that says he, he didn't come out of the grave, he didn't come out of the tomb, and he's not risen today. Okay. And that's not the life that Christ died for. Christ went to the grave, he went to the cross, he died that we would live in the resurrected life that is available through him. Okay. And it's a challenge. I get it. Like, I mean, the world is a tough place, and there's brokenness, and there's pain, and there's hurt, and there's things that are going to just mess us up from left and right. Okay. But in the midst of that, if we have a risen God who is our Father and who is good, you never need be without hope. Ever. Ever. It doesn't mean that you won't be still be sad, right? And you're thinking like, oh no, I'm still sad. I'm still hurting. Yeah, that's, that's there. We see Jesus weep. Sadness, brokenness, that's a reality. But in the midst, midst of sadness and brokenness, there can always be hope. In the midst of sadness and brokenness, there can always be purpose. There can always be vision. There need not be fear because we have a risen king. Amen. You see what I'm saying here? What story are you living in this morning? And maybe, maybe because you're here and it's Easter and we're singing and we're celebrating, we're opening the word of God, you're saying, okay, well, no, right now I'm definitely here. But what's going to happen tomorrow? When Easter is past, what story will you live in tomorrow? What story will you live in a week from now? When next Sunday rolls around, what story are you living in then? A year from now? What story do we live in? I want that to just continue to reverberate, reverberate in our minds. Because okay. there's one that gives life, and there's one that 
just keeps us in this perpetual state that Jesus never intended for us. Okay. Let's keep going. Okay. Verse 25. And, And he said to them, O foolish ones and slow of heart to believe all that the prophets have spoken. Was it not necessary that the Christ should suffer these things and enter into glory? And beginning with Moses and all the prophets, he interpreted to them and all the scriptures the things concerning himself. Okay. So what you fully expected, I think at this moment, at least what I did, is, is after these guys kind of pour their heart out and say like, no, you know, we, we had these hopes that depended on this guy being alive and now he's dead. You would think this would be the moment Jesus would kind of take off like the Harry Potter cloak, you know, invisibility cloak thing. Like, I'm here. I'm alive. Feeling compassion. Say, no, I'm here. It's good. But he doesn't do that. Okay? Instead, he says, listen, you're, you foolish people. You foolish people. Have you not heard? You're telling me what's going on in the land, but do you not know that the prophets have prophesied this forever? Maybe he takes them through Isaiah 7, Isaiah 53, Micah 2, Psalm 41. Maybe he just goes through all the three to 400 prophecies that the Old Testament talks about about Jesus, that Jesus perfectly fulfills. I don't, I, I don't know exactly what he says here, but he says, listen, everything that you read in the Bible, every single aspect of it is about me. And if you'd been paying attention, you would know all this was supposed to happen. And if it didn't happen, then there is no life moving forward. That sin and death and wrath still rest upon this world. Okay. And so here's what I want to do. I'm going to read... Uh, so we're going to do something that's a little bit different. I'm going to read from the Jesus Storybook Bible. And if you're not familiar with this, this is what we use for our children's ministry, okay? Uh, that's what I think of you guys. And uh, just kidding. I'm kidding. I'm kidding. Um, but honestly, if you haven't read this, uh, you can, I mean, honestly, it doesn't take very long. It's big letters. And uh, you can be like, oh, I read through the Bible in, in a day. And, uh, and it's really good. But I, but I, I love the words that it communicates here and what it really says about this moment. So I want to read just a portion of it. It says this, Now some people think the Bible is a book of rules, telling you what you should and shouldn't do. The Bible certainly does have some rules in it that show you how life works best. But the Bible isn't mainly about you and what you should be doing. It's about God and what he has done. See, other people think that the Bible is a book of heroes showing you people you should copy. The Bible does have some heroes in it. But as you'll soon find out, most of the people in the Bible aren't really heroes at all. They make some big mistakes, and even sometimes on purpose. They get afraid and run away, and at times they're just downright mean. No, the Bible is not a book of rules or a book of heroes. The Bible is most of all a story. It's an adventure story about a young hero who comes from a far country to win back his lost treasure. It's a love story about a brave prince who leaves his palace, his throne, everything, to rescue the one he loves. It's like the most wonderful fairy tales that has come true in real life. You see, the best thing about the story is that it's true. There are a lot of stories in the Bible, but all the stories are telling one big story. The story of how God loves his children and has come to rescue them. Okay. And, and I just wonder that what, what Jesus is communicating in this moment, I think, is that. You see, guys, these two, this man, woman, two men, these guys, these people going to Emmaus, they would have known the Old Testament. They would have known the Torah, known the law, known the prophets, and they missed it because they were focusing on something else. 
that are focusing on themselves, they're focusing on legalism, they're focusing on whatever could get them to God, and they missed Jesus. They missed the Messiah. And I ask us today, what are we so focused on that we miss Jesus? Christian, non-Christian, wherever you come from, what are we so focused on? What idols have we propped up in order to fulfill happiness, fulfill status, fulfill identity, fulfill I don't want to be afraid anymore? Whatever that is, what have we propped up over God that we've missed seeing Jesus as the risen living king that he is? What are those things? Because this Bible, the thing that that I think Jesus is communicating is everything Everything in all of history has pointed to me in this moment. That when I came, you would see me and you would believe me. <clears throat> and that together, we would see the redemption and restoration of this world. Okay. That, that's what I think he's communicating to these guys. And I think hopefully what is being communicated to us is that the Bible communicates a story of this one hero who's come to rescue the world. Okay. Let's keep going. Almost done here. Verse 28. So they drew near to the village which they were going. He acted as if he were going further. Again, sneaky. But they urged him strongly, saying, Stay with us, for it is toward evening, and the day is now far spent. So he went in to stay with them. When he was at the table with them, he took bread and blessed and broke it and gave it to them. And their eyes were opened, and they recognized him, and he vanished from their sight. They said to each other, Did not our hearts burn within us while he talked to us on the road, while he opened us? the scriptures. And so he gets invited, invited into this home and he has, he has a meal with the locals. Okay. And he breaks bread and then all of a sudden, just like in an instant, just in an instant, their eyes are open and they see Jesus for who he is. This guy they've been talking to the whole time, this, it's Jesus, right? It's Jesus. And I wonder if there was this mix of emotion of all of this excitement mixed with, man, what did we say? Right? Like, did, did we say something stupid? You guys ever had that? You're having a conversation, you're talking about somebody, you're like, yeah, Cindy, you know, and then Cindy's right there. You're like, Cindy is the coolest person ever. I love Cindy, right? Like, I wonder what was going on in their hearts. Man, they're like, yeah, oh, wait a minute. What did we, what did he call us fools? Dang it, you know? But their eyes are all of a sudden open and they get to see Jesus. And I imagine also then the elation as they realized all of the hopes that they thought were gone, everything that they thought couldn't be true anymore, all of the time they thought, man, now we have to go back and start over. We have to live in pain again. We have to live in fear again. We have to live without hope again. We have to live without vision and without purpose again. All of that melting away because Jesus Christ is risen from the dead. Amen? What are the things that flood back into our lives when we, if we as people, fully grasp the idea that the creator of the universe who died for you and me rose from the dead? What does it mean for us to live in this story, to have our eyes opened that way? Gosh, I wish that'd be true. That our eyes would be wide open to clearly see Christ. But listen, if you're here and you're a Christian, maybe this morning that your eyes would be opened even wider than they've already been, that you would see Jesus more clearly than you ever have. Then maybe, listen, if you're here and, and you, again, you kind of, you showed up here and a friend brought you in or you just really wanted to go to church this weekend and you don't know, know Jesus or whatever your story is and just kind of somewhere in all of this, the story of God, it's, it's that it was burning on my heart type of thing. I'm, I'm just going to say, man, I think God's just saying, open your eyes. 
right here, and I love you. And this is just true. I did this. And so wherever you're coming from, I think the, I think the call to us all is open your eyes. Christian, open your eyes. He's alive. He's alive. Whatever, whatever anxiety you brought in this morning doesn't need to be there because he's alive. Whatever fear doesn't need to be there because he's alive. Whatever lack of hope doesn't need to be there because he's alive. Whatever confusion about your future and vision and calling and what would God do for me doesn't need to be there because he's alive. Because he gives purpose. Because he gives hope. Because he's always there. Non-Christian, if you're here, open your eyes. This story is true and it is good. It is true and it is good. Open your eyes and say, man, I'm in, I believe. This is, this is too real. There's, a, there's just something burning on my heart like it was these two guys. They just knew something was going on as this guy taught them. They said, there's just something going on in here. I don't know really what it is, but I just believe. There's just this burning and open your eyes this morning to the reality that Christ has risen from the dead. The reality that he is risen. You're struggling. Come on now. You guys, I know it's been a little while, but he is risen. All right. All right. Okay. Yes, man. I love you, John. Is that Johnny? Yeah, I love you, bro. I love this story that we look at today. Okay. I love it because, listen, we can easily say hope is lost, sins defeat us, and the whole deal, but none of that is true anymore because he's risen. And I, and I know I keep saying it, keep saying it because... Gosh, we're going to be back here a year from now and celebrating Easter again, and for some reason I, I fear that we'll forget this story. I fear that we'll just, we'll just live in the wrong one over and over and over and miss out on the reality that, that he's, he's risen. And there is hope. And whatever brokenness and whatever pain you bring this morning, there is hope. I know it doesn't remove the pain. I know it doesn't remove the tears. But it instills hope in the midst of it. And that is, that is a tremendous gift. Okay? So I want to do it, I guess, uh, one more time, and then I'm going to read one last little part from this and wrap up a story, okay, a story of a risen king and a redeemed world. Okay, so he is risen. Okay, so this is the last vision given to John. And again, we're going to read from this little Jesus storybook Bible because uh, I, just, I just think it's amazing. Okay, and our kids are learning this in there right now. If your kids are they're reading the same thing this morning. It says, I see a sparkling city shimmering in the sky, glittering, glowing, coming down. From heaven and from the sky, heaven is coming down to earth. God's city is beautiful, walls of topaz, jasper, sapphire, wide streets paved with gold, gleaming pearl gates that are never locked shut. I see a throne, and on the throne is a king, and the king is Jesus. All around the throne, people are bowing down. They are giving him their treasures. There are loud cheers and clapping, clapping and bright laughter like a thousand waterfalls and everyone burst out singing into song. This is our king, the lamb who died so we don't have to. Our rescuer. All honor and glory forever and ever. And every creature everywhere in heaven and earth and under the earth and in the sea joins in. And then from all around a wide, immense, beautiful silence. And I see Satan, God's horrible enemy, thrown down and defeated. Where is the sun? Where is the moon? They aren't even needed anymore. God is all the light people need. 
No more darkness, no more night. And the king says, look, God and his children are together again. No more running away or hiding. No more crying or being lonely or afraid. No more being sick or dying because all those things are gone. Yes, they're gone forever. Everything sad has come untrue. And see, I have wiped away every tear from every eye. And then a deep, beautiful voice that sounded like thunder in the sky says, look, I am making everything new. That is how this story concludes. The story that we can live in, the story that says that we have a risen king and a redeemed world. It concludes with this beautiful picture of a promised eternity, an invitation to all who would come and say, no, Jesus, you're, you're my Lord, you're my Savior. And so church, those who are just visiting and outside the church, let's open our eyes to the beauty of what he's done and celebrate the fact that we have a risen king and a redeemed world. Amen? Let's pray.